you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. And today, if you have wondered how you can get more money out of your business, best use the money in your business, and create more money in your business, then you are not going to want to miss today's episode. I want to welcome Chris Miles. He's the cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. We're going to talk about that one a bit. And is a leading authority teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today. He's an author, podcast host of the Money Ripples podcast, has been featured in U.S. News, CNN Money, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Bigger Pockets, and has a proven reputation with his company, Money Ripples, for getting his clients fast financial results. In fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow by $300 million, that's right, with an M, in the last 13 years. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, I'm so excited to be on here today. So, Chris, this is your first time on the Author to Authority podcast. I would love for you to just, you know, take a few minutes and introduce yourself, share your business story. How how did you get to be an anti-financial advisor? I really want to hear that one. I know that's always the question I get, right? Came because I was a financial advisor, the traditional one that salesman in a suit. I started there. But I'll tell you, like growing up, like I wasn't like all about money, obviously. In fact, if anything, I was taught about money from my parents, although they taught me a lot of good values. The one thing they they did not teach me well was money. All they taught me was there's a scarcity of it, right? There's mm. just not enough. Hey, we can't afford this. Money doesn't grow on trees. We're not made of money, you know. You know, those kind of phrases you hear growing up. And even worse, my daddy would even say things like, you know what, I'm gonna work till I'm dead. I think this job will literally kill me. Because he had <laughs> strokes and heart attacks by his 40s working in the stress of his job. Yeah. And I didn't want that life. And so when I went to college, I was the first one in my family to go to college. I went to college and I was a sociology major with a triple minor in psychology, ballroom dancing, and Japanese. That tells you a little <laughs> bit about me there. Notice it wasn't English, right? <laughs> but, you know, I, so I was, I was going to college, but my plan was actually to become a business consultant. But I'm one of those people, I like real experience. And I figured I should probably have real experience before just trying to go get an MBA. So right before I finished my bachelor's, I took a one-year sabbatical or what was supposed to be a one-year sabbatical. And I figured, let's go find a business I can go start or do something with, get some experience, and I can go back and finish my degrees. Well, the first thing I found was actually becoming a financial advisor, not knowing how easy it was to get in there. There's a very low barrier of entry. I just had to not be in jail at any time and have a, you know, be able to pass the test with 70%. I'm always good at taking tests. So that was easy. So, uh, so that's how I became a financial advisor. Now, I actually enjoyed being my, my own boss, my entrepreneur, right? I was 100% commission only in that. I still worked a job on the side, but you know, I was trying to do that at least to keep things going. But uh, I loved having my own business, controlling my own destiny, my own time, yes. my own freedom. Um, now, several years in, I, for, uh, my dad actually reached out and he said, Chris, 
when are you going to become my financial advisor? Never thought he would ask me that because he was the guy that never told you about his money. Didn't want you to know anything. He didn't want you to like to rip them off. He, he was always scared that everybody would try to take money away from him. Yes. So we sit down, we look at his numbers and in the first time ever, I've seen his numbers and I realized he'd been stuffing money in his 401k, his retirement plan, like, like he should be. He had paid off all his debt early. He was totally debt-free, including his mortgage. Very proud of that. He was basically the guy that Dave Ramsey would look up to, right? Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, so when I look at it, I said, well, dad, here's the deal. You're 61 years old. If you want to retire today, you better hope you die in five years because that's exactly how much time you have before your money runs out. Okay, Chris, I don't want to hear that. What do I do? I don't know. You did everything right. According to what I teach, you did everything. I can't tell you to do anything else. Yeah, you can go in these mutual funds with me and this and that, but if the stock market goes down, you lose your money. You could cash out money from your mortgage, but you can't throw that in the stock market. That's illegal. And I wouldn't have you do it anyways because you might not make enough money in the market. And I'm glad I didn't because the Great Recession was only a few years away from that time. So we're in between the Y2K and the Great Recession. And so I, was, I don't know what to do for you. And it bugged the heck out of me because he was part of the inspiration why I went to financial advising in the first place because those words about him dying, working, rung in my head. I said, if I can give him one or two years of his life back, that would be worth it. And here I am sitting with him and I can't do that. Yeah. So of course, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. It's bugging me, of course. And then you know, one of my friends who I trained to be a financial advisor, he left to go do real estate investing. And we're having a conversation and, and his name is Doug. And, and Doug mm-hmm. said, Chris, listen, how many of your clients are truly financially free where they don't worry about money? And he had me there because when he said, don't worry about money, well, that was nobody. I said, well, none. They all worry about money. Even the retired ones worry that they'll run out of money too soon. Good job, Chris. Way to help no one. How about this? How many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions earning, but actually doing these investments? Because if anybody ever figured out, it should be you. And as I thought, there's over 100 people in my office but I was remembering there's people working there since the late 1970s still couldn't retire. I said, none. Yeah. He said, there's your problem. And that led me down a path to the point where eventually I had to make a choice. Either I, I had an integrity crisis. Either I keep doing what I'm doing in my profession and make money or I keep my integrity intact and leave. I chose the latter. I left. I said, I'll never teach about money again. I'll just do mortgages and teach ballroom dancing. Right. Well, I was doing that, but of course, I wanted to know how guys like my friend were able to do those things with real estate to be able to retire in their 20s and 30s. So I started following that same path where I myself was actually able to be work optional. I could retire. It covered all my bills with my income made from the investments. I was able to do that when I was 28 years old, almost 29, and it blew my mind. And of course, when everybody wants to know, Chris, how did you do it? That's when they would ask me. And at first, I just told them like, well, Chris, what are you doing? I'm like, I sell drugs. I didn't know how to answer like, (laughs) Well, I'm an investor, but I, I mean, I kind of have a business on the side. I was a mortgage broker, but like I started referring my mortgages to somebody else and I would get paid off of that. So I was getting almost like residual income from that too. So I really wasn't working. I was working maybe three hours a week. I was doing the four hour work week before Tim Ferriss had written the four hour work week, you know, and it was, it was mind blowing. And so naturally, cause people kept asking. And of course I love teaching and giving back. It just naturally pulled me out. And by 2007, I came out of retirement and said, all right, I'm going to start teaching people how I got out of the rat race. And that's, that's when people say, well, you're like my financial advisor, right? I'm like, no, 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 no. I dropped those licenses. I legally, one, I can't say that. Two, I think financial advisors suck. They're broke. <laughs> they're called brokers because they're broker than you and I are. So no, I'll be the anti-financial advisor. And that's kind of <laughs> how that moniker stuck. <laughs> 
I love that, Chris. And you you know what I love about your story is the fact it got to the point where your dad wanted you to help him. I thought that was just that was so touching, and and how it just so turned your life around when you realized that the one person you really wanted to help, you couldn't help. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I don't even know what to say after that. Usually I have some sort of comment, but you know, I think it's, it's so important. Like I remember when my dad died, you know, he was in debt. Thankfully he had done a few things. I don't even think intentionally, like he didn't even realize what he was doing, but some of the things he did um, actually gave us a way out of some of the things so that my mom didn't and my stepmom didn't end up carrying his debt for the rest of her life. So we were really thankful for that. But, you know, basically there was nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, she she couldn't even afford to live, let alone give anything uh, to the kids. So I am always very conscious of, you know, wanting to make sure that we leave something financial, that we don't have any debts. I mean, we're my husband and I are debt free, no mortgage, no nothing. But, you know, we want to we do want to leave something for our kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some ways, even give it to them before we go, if yeah. possible. Yeah, you want to you want to leave their lives better than you left yours, right? Or than mm-hmm. you lived yours. Like, I think that's what we all want. Because I have eight kids, a blended family of eight. I have six. My wife has two from her previous marriage. And yeah, you want them to have a better life. You don't want them to be spoiled. I think that's no. key. But you do want them to really have a leg up, you know, better than what our parents gave to us. Because you're right, like that traditional save everything spend nothing, pay off all your debt. And then hopefully someday you have something. It just hasn't worked really. It really has been a disservice. That's why a lot of times like people want me to go on the, the Ramsey show and confront Dave Ramsey. They're like, you need to get on there because some of our best clients are actually Dave Ramsey poster children. They're the people that went and they, they're just like my dad, they paid off their debt. They've been stuffing their money in mutual funds. And they're saying, wait, I'm debt free, but I'm still not free. I'm not at the point where I can quit working, right? I don't have yeah. enough saved up to do that. He never taught me how to really build wealth. And that's the thing. It's like he does great for people that are spendaholics. You know, he does great for people that need that basic entry level education. And but get out of that. How to do wealth. Because he won't teach you the things that he did to create wealth, which is ironic because he loves, he actually doesn't like investing in mutual funds. He loves business first. That's his number one investment. And then real estate second. And, and he even talks about how he has, you know, $700 million portfolio of real estate. But he never tells people, go buy real estate. He's like, no, go gamble it in these mutual funds. And hopefully you'll have enough in your 401k. No, you won't. Like that's already been proven. Fidelity has 45 million account holders. Of those 45 million, only 750,000, and they're all Gen X and baby boomers other than a 0.9% millennial. But of that, only one and a half percent have a million dollars or more. And if you follow traditional advice of what financial advisors recommend, you should only pull off 3%. So if you happen to have a million bucks, if you're the top one and a half percent of people saving right now, you have over a million dollars, you live on 3%, that's 30,000 a year. That's below the poverty line. You're living as a broke millionaire, which is why of that one and a half percent, 35% in another study said that they think it will be a miracle that they'll ever be able to retire. A miracle. Not even like I hope to. It's like, I don't think I'll be able to at all. That's sad. That should tell you something. That should tell you that really less than 1% of the population believes that they even have a chance of some sort of financial freedom. That has got to change. You know, even with those numbers, I think the only way you would have a hope of retiring is if you were debt-free and you'd lived 
incredibly simply. I think, you know, it wouldn't be a great life. You might be able to live if that was your situation, but most people are in debt. They have mortgages. Oh, it's bad. So yeah. And I, I think, you know, getting out of the debt is the first one, you know, I mean, okay, there, there's two different types of debts and I'm sure you, okay. There's, there's the debt that builds wealth. There's debt that you take on temporarily while you're building wealth. Right. Yeah. Um, but then there's the debt that just sucks the life out of you. Consumer debt. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's, there's predict, it's like a, it's funny because a lot of people say, you know, in the Bible, they say be debt free. Well, why would Jesus talk about their stewards in the Bible? The three, t- the parable of the talents is the three servants that went out and borrowed money from this, the master. Two of them came back, made more with it. They were wise. They used their debt wisely, right? The money that they borrowed from the master, they used it wisely, made more with it. The guy that was a Dave Ramsey fan, he was the one that said, I got the one. I don't want to lose it. So I'm going to bury it. I'm going to still pay off my debt. I'm not going to do anything with it. That steward is the one that lost it. That was taken away and given to the guy that made 10, right? That's a that's an important lesson because if you're going to use debt, and I say with a big if, if you're going to use debt, you better dang well use it for something that's real. Don't go buy crypto and Bitcoin and things like that. Don't go put in the stock market, which is illegal anyways. You can't borrow money to put in the stock market, although they won't stop you. You do sign disclosures say that you're not borrowing money because they don't want to repeat the Great Depression where people lost all the money in the market and couldn't pay the banks back. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the other thing too is that you know if I am going to use debt, like for example, if I borrow money, I'm going to make sure I put it into a real asset like real yeah. estate. You know, people say, well, well, I don't want to go into more debt. Well, it's not. My balance sheet stays the same. I just have to move the equity from one place into another. I still have the balance sheet being the same, but now I have more leverage my assets grow faster. And I'm actually technically from an accounting perspective, debt-free. I'm not liability-free, but I'm debt-free. And especially if I'm profitable, that's the key. If you're ever going to use debt, make sure it's profitable, whatever you put it in. That's even true for business, for you that are business owners, mm-hmm. especially if you're looking at a book and you're like, maybe I have to you know, borrow money to get this started to really launch it. I mean, I remember, I didn't say this to you before I went on the air, but I actually helped one book become a New York Times bestseller years ago with a book called Killing Sacred Cows by one of my old partners, he spent $1.2 million trying to promote it to get to be New York Times bestseller. Uh, He didn't get number one because unfortunately the last Twilight book came out that same week. So he definitely didn't get number one overall, but he did get number one in business, you know? And uh, and it was tough. I mean, he was actually borrowing money to do that. The crazy thing is it didn't pay off immediately. It took two years before we finally started to see our actual return on our investment, but it was a long time. And you got to be careful because if you can't, finance that debt in the meantime, that's risky. And that's the same thing with business. Like I would never use debt on anything unless I know for a fact I can create a bigger return. Uh, when I got my first SBA loan, it's 25,000 bucks. The payment was 130 bucks a month. Now, if I'm a business owner, if I can't make 130 bucks a month with 25 grand, I shouldn't be in business, right? That's yeah. where it comes back to stewardship. But obviously I made thousands a month from that. I was able to easily pay off the SBA loan anytime I wanted because of it. You know, And that's that's the difference. There's a difference between stewardship there's a difference between mm-hmm. being a spender, right? Yeah. And stewardship is even beyond being a saver. Savers never become free because they can never save enough. They can never pay off their debt fast enough. They always feel like even paying a bill is painful for them, right? <laughs> Stewards realize that money is easy. It comes in, it goes out. There's a flow of money, but you're always looking for ways to increase it, always to multiply it and also bless more lives with that money that you're given. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I yeah. Do you know what? Today's just one of those days. Usually I have some sort of pithy comment or a con. 
today it's just like yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff, Chris. <laughs> Chris, I know it's, it's you. Come- it's pretty rare I have a host that's speechless. That's that's great. I love that. <laughs> well, okay, so I do have something to admit to you. Our our daughter left the nest this morning. Well, actually, early this afternoon, for the second time. It's not her first time, but. I'm finding this one harder than the first time she left. The first time she left, it was like, yes, empty nest. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of like, I'm really going to miss her. (laughs) She's, she's, she's gotten a little bit better with age, you know, like. (laughs) I'm just starting to like her again after those horrible teenage years. (laughs) Chris, I I know you've come. My eight kids, six of them are teenagers right now. One's already out of the house, but yeah, we, we have a situation because, you know, we come from, you know, we have course split families with divorce and stuff every other weekend we empty nest man we love those weekends (laughs) it's so much quieter but at the same time it doesn't take long where we're like okay when are they gonna come back now well at least come visit us you know yeah it gets too quiet it's funny my husband i've been married 32 years and um you know sometimes like when our daughter's not here we just sit and we don't talk like Uh uh-huh and we've been married for so long. It's not that we don't have anything to say, but we've said a lot of it already. And, you know, there's only so many times you can repeat the same stories over and over again. And sometimes we just sit there quietly, each working on our own thing. And we're perfectly okay. We're not unhappy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you have somebody else in the house, there's there's more conversation going. Some Sometimes our house is just quiet. And our daughter will come home and she's like, don't you guys talk to each other? Yeah, I mean, we need to. <laughs> Yeah, I'm naturally introverted, so I love those moments. My wife is the opposite, and uh, she doesn't care how many times she told me the story. She'll tell it one more time. (laughs) (laughs) I used to be like that. But, you know, after 32 years, you grow, you develop in your relationship, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you become a whole lot more secure in things. So I don't need to talk all the time. I just talk when I want to. Exactly. So, Chris, I know you've come prepared. You've already you've already opened up the door a little bit, but I would love for you to just teach what you've prepared for us today, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, you know, so obviously, naturally, someone's going to ask me, okay, Chris, so how did you do it, right? Because mm-hmm. we, we can see that, you know, you talk about financial advice, and it's kind of wrong, and it's true. You don't want the blind leading the blind. I, I, I compare this sometimes to Blinken from the character from Robin Hood Men and Tights, the blind man. You know, he's up on the watchtower and they're like, Lincoln, what are you doing up there? I'm guessing, I'm guessing no one's coming. Get down. You know, like you don't want blind people leading the way, right? The blind leading the blind. And, and unfortunately that's kind of why I realized someone had asked me in another interview, they said, so Chris, like, do you ever have some of your old friends, financial advisors, do they ever come back to you and say, okay, teach me? And I said, well, funny enough, the old friends don't, they just, try to keep the blinders on and stay in that, that lane. And, and I get it because they want to help people, but at the same time, quitting their career when they're at the height of their career is a hard thing to do. And I get that, but I'll tell you, I do a, a study group with financial advisors and I hate it. I'm the one guy that shows up just like this t-shirts and the shorts, you know, that's it. Some of them, especially from New York will wear the full deck suits, even vests. And it doesn't matter if it's 95 degrees in Florida, they'll wear the full suit. Right. And, uh, and they'll, and they'll always be every year. These, I'll just so you know, like these are the highest, the best of the best. These are guys that make at least million, sometimes tens of millions a year in their profession. And every single year, one pulls me off the side and quietly says, Chris, so how do I retire like you did? Cause I don't know how to do that. You got to ask yourself, okay, 
if they're asking me that question, and these are the best of the best, the guys that should have more than enough money saved up, why can't they do it? Well, it's because they're saving in the wrong places. They're they're based on an accumulation theory, mm-hmm. which is really how do I save up enough and then live off the interest? Give you an example. I had a guy reach out to me, had $3 million. He was putting away a couple hundred thousand a year, big time saver, also debt-free. And uh, and he's like, yeah, I, I went to my my financial advisor and he said, okay, you're 52. You got 3 million saved up. And he just said, he's like, I just want the ability to live on half a million a year. Not that I need it. I just want that that pretty much like the freedom to do whatever I want yeah. when, you know, based on whenever I feel like, right? Like really just have that full freedom. Well, the guy says, well, if you want half a million a year, you're going to have to keep saving up for at least the next 13 years. And then maybe by the time you're 65, you'll do it. Again, $3 million saved up even at that point, packing away a couple hundred thousand a year. And he's told, yeah, just kind of keep doing it for another 13 years and then you'll be free. Well, I told him, I said, listen, you got $3 million. If instead of just trying to accumulate money and then live on 3%, and actually I told him, I said, by the way, his calculations are off. Most likely with the way that uh, the investment returns really are and what you're actually going to be pulling off and inflation, because he wasn't factoring in inflation. If you factor in inflation, you might have to wait till you're almost 70. Yeah. You're still like in the top fraction of a percent of savers right now. And I said, but you could, instead of focus on accumulation, focus on passive income, focus on income, because that's ultimately what we all want, right? Even when you pay off debt, it's just less income you have to use to pay bills, right? So it's, just, it's like freeing up cash flow. It's like income when you don't have a debt payment. Same thing here. I said, but if you want 500,000 a year, well, basically, if you make 10%, you just need to have 5 million bucks. I said, well, what you can do is even this 3 million right now, we can actually, even at 10%, that's conservative for our clients. 10%, that's 300,000 a year. We can get you at 300,000 in today's dollars before inflation um, and do that right now. And, and if you take that money, say that you take that 200,000 you're saving plus the three, you know, the 300,000 you made this year, that's 500,000. Now the next year you have another 50,000 a year coming in, right? Before you know it, in about three to four years, you'll have your 500,000 a year goal. He's like, yeah. that sounds a lot better than working until I'm 65 or 70. And I say, absolutely. Um, that's the difference. I had another client from California, same thing. He just retired from the military, had a million dollars in his account. He said, my financial advisor just told me I can live on 30,000 a year. I told him, well, that's good because some dumb financial advisors that are behind the times will say, you can pull out 4% a year. That's not true. They've already debunked that myth. You don't make enough money in retirement to do that and, and still keep not running out of money. And so I said, well, 30,000 a year is not a lot. Let's get your money to work for you. So instead we actually went, we had him buy a couple duplexes that he doesn't manage. A property manager does all the work. Even after paying all the property management, he still gets paid profits from that. He had money going, you know, ownership interest in an apartment building. He also did some things with like oil and gas. A lot of people don't realize you can actually invest in the land of oil and gas, the company's lease from you. And then you get paid royalties on top of that for the drilling to do. It's not just oil. It's also the green energy because many people don't know this. When you drill oil, the, the, the steam that comes off the top is natural gas. That's the clean energy that everybody's like desiring and that you know, Russia's withholding. Well, we can actually give it to Ukraine, right? We can actually help them do that. So that kind of stuff, you can actually double dip. You can get paid rent and get paid royalties on doing that kind of stuff. And so he did that. His 30000 a year that he's supposed to be making is now 130000 a year. Same nice. money, just working harder. That's yeah. the difference is that is you don't have to have millions and millions of dollars saved up. You don't even have to be debt-free sometimes, although that helps. But- if you have more money coming in than what's going out in your expenses and whatever those expenses are, I probably say our average client, the goal is always like 10,000 a month is like the magic number. Now, you know, some of them are like 20,000 or 30,000 a month if they're like dentists or something, but 10,000 a month, it's actually not as hard as people think can Mm -hmm. be done. It just requires you to do it differently. And essentially 
fire your financial advisor because unfortunately they legally, and they admit this, they legally cannot even recommend doing anything, even if they know it works. They can't recommend anything outside of mutual funds. If they do, they lose their licenses. That's where I was at one point. That's why I dropped those licenses in 2005 because I said, no, I can't keep teaching this just because they only give me a, they don't give me a license to make money. They give me a license to sell. It's not even to help you make money. It's just to sell you stuff. If you look at all the education, everything from how you money away comes from the financial institutions that hire the financial advisors to then teach you, right? Everything comes from the banks and the financial institutions. Even how we pay off our debt comes from the banks. You know, the yeah. banks are in tons of debt, right? They leverage debt all the time. That's why they take your money in the savings account. You've never seen a bank call you up and say, you know what? I just, I watched the Dave Ramsey show recently and I just hate the fact that I have debt to you. You have a savings account with me. So I'm going to pay all that money back. Even though you've had it with me for 30 years, I'm going to pay you back that money because you know how much interest that's going to be when it compounds against me over, over your lifetime. It's horrible. So take your money back. You'll never see a bank do that, right? Because the banks know how to be wise stewards of their money and they use it to their benefit. The key is instead of having the banks tell you the rules that they want you to follow, turn the tables around and instead use the same rules the banks have used to be able to create a lot of wealth. That's how you can create freedom. That's how you can create actual, real, tangible freedom with actual income coming in. That is wonderful, Chris. We have about five minutes left. I want to just shift gears slightly because we have a lot of consultants, professionals, speakers, thought leaders, entrepreneurs who listen to the show. How can they within their business, you know, find, find that more cash or use the cash in their business to build more business or get more sales or, you know, create more money? I'm going to recommend two books, both by the same author. The author is Mike Michalowicz. The first one's Profit First, because in business, the one thing I've learned is that profit is the key to your freedom. The one thing I know about entrepreneurs that most entrepreneurs are just in the bigger rat race. I have a lot of friends that make millions of dollars. Some of them even transact real estate. Yet, if their business were to shut down, they'd be just as broke as every other American. Then the main reason is because they have no passive income, right? And the thing is that because they always, quote unquote, reinvested their profits back in their business. I'm not against reinvesting your business because I think your business is the number one investment, especially early on when you get it started. But if you're always reinvesting 100% of your money back in your business, one, your spouse is going to hate you because they're going to say you have a very expensive hobby. And then two, what's going to happen is that you never actually have any freedom for yourself and your family. You get stuck in a job within your business. You don't want that. And so make sure you pull out profits. So Profit First is a great book to learn how to do that, mm -hmm. to build out your profits first, and then figure out your expenses in the business. And then two, the next book that actually changed my business was also written by Mike Michalowicz called The Pumpkin Plan. Have you ever seen on the news the prize-winning pumpkins are just massively like out of your imagination humongous, yeah. right? Uh, he actually talks about the process of how those are found. They're, they're a very specific breed of pumpkin coming from Nova Scotia. You might pay up to $100,000 just to get the seeds. Is that where you are, Nova Scotia? Yeah. Oh, no way. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yeah, so apparently you guys have got big pumpkins out there, but uh, or at least that's where the heirloom ones are. So anyways, but yeah, they buy sometimes $100,000 just to get the seeds of these pumpkins to plant them and to grow them. And as they grow them, if you've ever grown pumpkins before, like we're growing them in our yard right now, like they start growing on the vine, you get multiple pumpkins, you start cutting off the smallest ones, leaving just the vine feeding one big one. And I did that in my business. The biggest thing I did was learning how to focus and hone in. I looked at the Pareto's principle of what's the top, you know, really what's the top 20% of my clientele, right? Who are the people I love working with? In fact, I even did it one step further. I did it. What's my top 20% of my top 20%? What's really my top 40, four, 
say that again, my top 4%, it gives me 96% of my business. Once I started cutting off all the extra 96% of, you know, the other 96% of activities, like going to 500 networking meetings and this and this and this, I cut all those off. And in fact, that's why I focus more on my podcast instead, because mm-hmm. I realized my best clients came from my podcast, not from speaking at live engagements or going to, you know, different networking activities and whatnot. It was there. So I cut everything off, cut off all my hours of work from like 50 hours a week down to like 10. And guess what? That year, my revenue doubled, but my profits, they actually quintupled. So I had way more profit, way more take-home pay than I've ever had in my business just doing that one thing. Eventually, after a few years, my business exploded, even without any employees, broke over seven figures a year. And and it's been growing ever since. Now I have employees, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things that leverages everything. It's in your business. It's everywhere else. So yes, invest in your business first and foremost, but don't get caught in the entrepreneur trap where you always reinvest everything back in your business where you can never get out of your business. Create profit, take that profit, just like I had to do too. Put that and start using that to invest to create other streams of passive income. Here's a secret tip. You'll make more money in your business when you don't need money. When you're at a place where you know you don't need to pay bills, people will actually say yes to you more often. Versus when you're in desperation, I call it business breath. That's the part where we'll get stuck. So you have that business breath, you're desperate for business. Nobody wants to do business with you. You work 10 times harder for the same results if you would just be able to relax and come from an abundant perspective and say, you know what? I don't need that crappy client or I don't need that bad customer. In fact, this is the person I can help and I can serve. And you come from a place of power, people will say yes more often and you'll work less hours doing it. True, true. You know, business really started to take off when, you know, I would talk to people and I just, even though inside I might've really needed the money, mm-hmm. I just made the decision that on the outside, people weren't going to know it. And so, you know, I do the, these discovery calls for people who wanted to do a book and I'd be like, yeah, and I'd be so relaxed and I'd be chill. And I, you know, everything about me said, I don't care if you work with me. I mean, I got more than enough, right? Mm-hmm. There was times I didn't have more than enough, but it was yep. like, you know what? I'm not going to pressure anybody into. And so I just gave a tremendous amount of value. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people wanted to work with me. They didn't have the money. Yeah. So I, I have never told anyone to ever go into debt to work with me. Yeah. Never. And you won't hear me say that. Those words do not come out of my mouth because I don't believe in it. Yeah. And so I just say to people, you know what? We got a couple of choices. You know, tell me what you can afford a month. Maybe we can get you started. I can do a bit of work with you. I can show you how you can be earning more money with your book before it's written. Obviously, we won't publish the book until you know you've paid the project off. But let's get started with what you can afford right now. And let's see, you know, how we can work together to increase your business so that you can afford to pay the package. It's a 0% payment plan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or I just say, or I just say to them, if they really can't, I'm like, listen, it's okay. I'm still going to be here. Yeah. You know, when things are better for you financially, or you feel you can do it. When the time's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing I'm doing now, I'm working on this year because I spent a lot of time building some stability in that into the business is I'm launching a whole new product line for people who can't afford the done for you. There will be a done with you. So audience, yes, it is coming. 
Uh, and it might be here by the time you're listening to this, because we are recording this in August. It might be here by October when you're listening to this. So if it is, check the show notes, because I might have something for you. You know, you, you brought up a great mental hack that I actually have used in business before. And I would recommend anybody who, if you've ever been at a point where you feel like you're like, yep, yeah, I do need the business. The great mental hack I've learned is that focus on the present moment. Because yeah. in that present moment, and this, and I learned this from being over a million dollars in debt at one point, right? Where you know, I wasn't in debt, but then life just hit hard, you know, business started failing and things like that. And I could have gone bankrupt and I chose not to. So I said, I'll pay all the bills back if I have to. Well, in that situation, of course, you're pretty dang desperate, you know? And, uh, and I remember the thing I said is, you know what, in this moment, I'm not broke. Like in this moment, I'm alive. Nobody's like taking, you know, hauling me off to jail. Nobody's like taking my house away. Nothing like that's happening right now in this moment. I don't need that customer or that client. And when I come from that standpoint of like, I don't need them, but here's the key thing. Cause you, you can, you can take it overboard to say, I don't need you. Cause then you might just, you might just repelling business too. But you say, I don't need this business at all. I'm just fine right now in this very second. Maybe not in the next minute, but this minute I am. And uh, and right now I'm great. And so I don't need you, but I I can, might be able to serve you. I'm able to really help you. And if I can, let's see if I can help you and serve you that way. And that's that's always been the secret for me, no matter where money is. It's like, yeah. listen, like if I can serve you and help you, great. Then this is a win-win for us. This is a win for you. It's a win for me. There's a reason for exchange. When you come from that, that, if you have that mental standpoint, even if you're literally, you need that next deal, just get in that present moment and say, I don't need this business. Like I'm okay for this minute yeah. <laughs> right now, for this exactly. hour, I'm okay. I don't need the business, but I might be able to help you. And that's, and I think that's where the power comes from. Wow. Well, guess what, Chris, we are at the end. We we've hit our time limit for today. So you've got 30 seconds to a minute to let us know how can people connect with you? I'm doing faster than that. So you can just go to moneyripples.com. I just go to our website. We actually have a cool passive income calculator. You can try out, see if you can create any passive income in the next 12 months. Check that out. And then you can follow our podcast, the Money Ripples podcast on iTunes or YouTube. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Audience, if you've enjoyed today's video, or audio, depending on whether you're watching on YouTube or your podcast app. I would love for you to check out episode 426. And if you're on YouTube, still haven't quite figured this out yet. It's either on this side or it's on this side. But click the link and watch How to Grow a Business from Zero to Seven Figures. If you're on the podcast app, scan back to episode 426. Well, Chris, I'd love to thank you for being on the show today. Really appreciate you being here. This has been Chris Miles and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.